This is the Menopause Movement Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Gordon. Today, we welcome Menomate Tammy LeMessurier to the podcast. Tammy is a regional executive chef, nutritionist, mom to two, and a death doula. Today, we're talking about her Menomate journey. And during the podcast, we discussed what her life was like before she joined in the beta and the minnow system and became a Menomate, the importance of community in menopause and in life, Tammy's biggest aha as a Menomate, how stacking small changes can lead to what feels like a huge change, Tammy's relationship with grief and loss, and how the mental mate way of thinking helped her to reframe it. The importance of visualization in life and stay to the end to find out what a death doula is, how it works, how she works as a death doula and why it's so important to her. And at the end of the episode, make sure you visit drmichellegordon.com forward slash podcast where you can find the show notes plus the links to the books and resources mentioned in the episode. And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you're always the first to know when each episode is released. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And thanks again for all the five-star reviews. If you haven't left a review yet, please take the time to review the podcast because this helps more women to find it and get the help they need during the disruption of menopause because no one should have to go it alone. Thanks again for being a part of the menopause movement. Now let's get to Tammy. Tammy, welcome to the menopause movement podcast. I'm so glad you're here. So you're a mental mate and you came through one of our beta courses, right? So I want to talk to you a little bit about what that beta course was like for you. What brought you into it? And then what changed for you? What brought me into it? I happened to see it on Facebook. Mm -hmm. I saw one of your ads with your beautiful smile. And I was intrigued because at the time I was going through the hot flashes, mood swings, headaches. I had a lot of other things going on and I was trying to define what was causing what. Right. I have two types of arthritis and I also have fibromyalgia. Mm. So it's been a long haul trying to figure out why do I feel the way I am? Why do I hurt the way I am? Why do yeah. I think the way I do? <laughs> so hearing you and the call in the beta group, it was a real eye opener because a lot of the things that I'm feeling have to do with menopause more than my other issues. I sure. Believe. I think that's really interesting that average women spend, believe it or not, $20,000 trying to solve their menopause problems. It's crazy. I mean, because we start feeling really weird and there just isn't a lot of information out there. And I think that's going to change, but there's just isn't a lot of information out there. So you came through the beta, you got an understanding of what's going on hormonally and how to start managing it. And was there a specific point in the beta that said to you, wow, this is really a big deal for me and I need to make a change or I need to invest in myself. What was that for you? It was the minimum way to eat. It okay. was the sugar. Uh -huh. I am a carboholic, professed carboholic. It seems carbs are my go-tos mm -hmm. and it's not necessarily the sweets, the sugars, it's carbs. It's mashed potatoes. It's pasta. I am Yum. a chef. I have to eat for my job. Um, so <laughs> but what it was doing to me until I actually cut it back Mm -hmm. and stop the sugar. I had no idea how it was actually affecting me. So I wasn't sleeping. Yeah. 
And so now you're sleeping better and you've made some changes. And I think that's great. I think one thing I'd like to talk to you about is like, let's say before you decided to join in as a mental mate, right? So you came through the beta and what was your biggest skepticism before you actually chose to sign up? All of it, actually. It was the buy-in because like most other women, I have a male doctor mm-hmm. who is wonderful for me. He's gotten me further along than any other male doctor that I have had. He listens to me. And he investigates, so I'm thankful that way. But he still doesn't know everything. No Um, doctor does. That's the issue, right? Well, totally. So it was all about, okay, is it really me? Is it me? Or is it external factors affecting me, right? So that was the whole challenge to find out what it is. Mm-hmm. I have fibromyalgia. That just widens my pain broadband. Like I hurt all the time. Um, people keep asking me on a scale of one to 10 and I say 15 <laughs> because I've suffered in pain for so long that what's 10 to most people is a five to me. Mm-hmm. Right? But what's making it there? And since cutting out the sugars... And the refined oils, I do have to say that it has really brought it down. I'm still in pain. It's different. It's it's more specific. Yeah. So you you made some changes and your life is a little better or a lot better, it sounds like. I'm still trying to... What? In that aspect. (laughs) Yeah. So, but I'm still trying to understand, like, did you have a... Before you decided to buy into the program, did you have a... Was there like, I don't know if this is right for me, you know, any questions about... so, So you came through the beta program and you knew that you just had to continue. I did. I'm a very open person about listening to my body, listening to my spirit. And I knew, I knew something was going on. I knew menopause had a lot to do with it. I had a hard time getting to menopause, the hot flashes for 10 years, but then I still had regular periods and then they would go on and off for 18 months and then they'd stop for 11 and I'd get one that would last two months. Like it was just hormonally, it was bad. So when I finally reached that point where I was 14 months, no periods, I was elated, but I wasn't because I knew all the rest of it was coming, the hormone dumps and and the whole bit. But I had no idea, no idea how it was going to affect me or even where to go. I had heard other women talk about biologic hormone replacements and such. And there's so much already chemically wrong with my body that I didn't want to try anything like that. Sure. (laughs) So, and then you came along and gave me a different path on how to look at, it wasn't just the menopause, it was the whole picture, it was me. How to look at my whole being, my whole existence. When I came to you, I was grieving severely. I think our first conversation was all about grief. I think I inadvertently took over the whole call and I did not mean to do that. But when you started asking me questions, things just started pouring out. which hadn't in a very long time. And that really solidified it for me that I needed to be around you guys and to hear what you had to say and fully learn from it and encompass it and and absorb it. So So would you say that, I want to know how how important was the community aspect of this program for you? Totally. For in the beta group and all the calls, it was awesome seeing the same faces every time and, and having them cheer us on and um, and having the calls as often was huge. In the like in the beta group in the first mm-hmm. part of the mental mates, it was huge. I do miss the group because it seems like we've kind of spread out. We're not as close. We try. 
Right. Well, but we still have all the community aspect of it. It's just the problem is, is that when you first start with something, I think you put everything into it. And then it, in order to keep things going, you have to continue to invest in it. And that's, I think, where we really, that's why we have our own community inside of the, the platform, right? And it's a matter of us, we do meet at least monthly with all the middle mates in order to kind of see what's going on and, and help people along on their journey. And that keeps the community going, I think. As long as you come, you got to show up. I definitely, definitely. And that's the thing. Life gets in the way. I had my yeah. knee surgery. There is my work was a little crazy before I went off on surgery. My job is a lot of my stress, mm. a lot of my issues. So I've been rethinking that whole aspect. Hence why I became the death doula. And with COVID and my knee replacement, I haven't really had a chance to develop that as much as I would like. And it it bothers me because I know there's so many people in hospital that are severe and are passing alone. Yeah. And even, I mean, I don't care. Money isn't important to me in that aspect. I just, I want to help those people yeah. be at peace. So, but I think I, you know, I really, I want to talk about the death doula thing. I want to see how you got there. And, but before we go there, I do want to talk about, you came into the program, you did the minimum eight way of eating. You were able to manage your, your pain a little bit better, right? Because you changed the way you were eating and one of the things, you know, in the Minimate way of eating, we, we spend a lot of time talking about how food is super important. Now you're a chef and you know this to a certain degree, but was there, other than sugar, was there any other like specific like aha that you got from going through the program that was just like, whoa? Uh, oh, definitely. I, it, my aha was, oh, look, you do have to eat three times a day. <laughs> uh-huh. As a chef, I, t- I tend not to because I'm so busy feeding everybody else and making sure everybody else is sufficiently sustained that I often forget about myself. Mm. And by the time you get home, you shower, you get all that gunk off you. You don't, the last thing you want to do is cook because <laughs> you've just cooked for all these other people. I'm not a morning person. So breakfast, I'm more European where I would go for the rye bread and the salami rather than an egg type mm-hmm. of thing. I am, I have learned to do yogurt, granola and fresh fruit in the mornings. So that, that has been my godsend or I'll have a slice of ancient green toast just to tie me over with my medications. I have to eat something. So, um, and I am making sure that I'm, I'm eating more sufficiently and I mean I'm I'm the worst one I'm telling everybody else how they should manage their bodies and yet it's extremely difficult for me and I think part of that for me is it's menopause it's the grief Mm -hmm. it's the depression that comes with the grief it all has a play in how I or how my body regulates what I'm supposed to do because I my body doesn't tell me Hey, I'm hungry. You should eat. Right. So you have to manage that. I and, have to manage that. And yes. so through going through the program, when you came in as a middle mate, you started to realize that you had to prioritize yourself in order to be able to help other people. Yes. And I think that's really great. Any other ways that you've changed because of joining as a middle mate? I've been able to open myself up and talk about past my grief, my stress. Whereas Mm -hmm. I used to hold it all in before. Until recently, I live with my daughter and her family. And just prior to my surgery, they moved to Brandon, Alberta, which is about a 10, 12 hour drive away. Um, My youngest lives in uh, Victoria Island, which is a plane 
away. That's on the other side of the country, isn't it? Yeah, I'm kind of in the middle yeah. of both of them. <laughs> mm. So, and my my father lives in Quebec, which is way on the other side. So we're completely spread out. So for the first time in a very long time, I am completely by myself here. So I have to rely on myself a lot more. Sure. And I've noticed that some of those old habits of not wanting to eat and such is starting to try to creep back because mm -hmm. it is just me. There's nobody here that I have to worry about or nobody here cheering me on saying, okay, come on, let's go. We got to do this. So this that's why you have the community. Yes. And to help you. I've been doing good. I made up my mind. I've had complications with my knee surgery. Sciatic was activated. Mm. I have severe degeneration from L4 to S1. And by the looks of it, within the next five years, I probably will need to have it fused. Yeah. That doesn't um, sound like fun. No, I just yesterday, um, I had dry needling done to see if that was going to help. What, wait, what, what's that? Dry needling is yeah. kind of like acupuncture, except the need, it's the same needles, but they don't go by meridians. They actually go by muscle and joints. I see. So a question I have for you is, since you came in as a minimate, have you noticed a decrease in your medications for fibromyalgia or psoriatic arthritis or osteoarthritis? Not yet. You haven't? Not yet. Okay. I am working on it with my doctor. It's severe by misodose. I have repercussions in my joints, sure. in my skin. The methotrexate doesn't work well enough on its own, mm -hmm. which is why we added the Otesla to it or that. Never remember what the other name is. And if we find, I my goal is to come off the methotrexate because it's debilitating in other areas. But to do that, I would need a, a biologic or a biosimilar. I know there's, the, the sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. The risks, go ahead. All right, the risks... They're a lot more severe than the medication that I'm on now. I mean, yeah, Bi biologics are tough. You had a lot of intangible positives happen to your life as a result of joining the mental system. One thing I like to say is it's not a weight loss program, but people lose weight, right? Uh, not everyone, not everyone will lose weight. And it's not a relationship course, but people's relationships improve a lot because uh, women start to understand more about how our outlook manages everything, right? With you, you know, you haven't lost weight, you haven't really gone off your meds, but you do say that you had a really, and you say that you have really great experience with the program and you've had a transformation, right? Oh, totally. Um, yeah. And so I wanted to, I want to try and get down to the bottom of really what changed the most. Was it the relationship with yourself? Was it your self-acceptance? Was it your ability to love yourself more? What do you see as the biggest change for um, you? Probably the accepting myself. Okay. And that is, it is okay to love myself. Wow. <laughs> and I'm allowed to feel mm. the pain that I feel because so many people it's you don't look sick. You don't look like you have all that going on. Why right. aren't you happy chipper, blah, blah, blah. And it's finally time where you know what? I am this sick. I have been able to ask for help, whereas before I wasn't. Okay. I would just muddle through. I I think differently. I, I, I think I still think of other people first, but if something's going on with me, I'm not afraid to say, look, I can't do this today. I just I'm not in that place. Yeah, I love that because you say, you know, you say you're allowed to feel. And one thing that happens in in this culture that we're in, what 
people call toxic positivity, where you're supposed to always feel positive, but sometimes you have to feel grief. Sometimes you have to feel sad. And, you know, you had something really difficult happen in your life. You don't have to share that, but it was enough to cause you, you know, years of grief and to finally be able to say, I can feel it. I can feel that grief and it's okay to feel it. And I think when it comes to grief, especially, I think it's so important for us to feel our grief, but also not own it as if we're responsible. Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. My grief started years ago. We actually just celebrated the ninth anniversary of my grandson's death, Mm. um, which is where it started. Um, I'm sorry. I had suffered grief before. I've lost my mother. I've lost aunts and uncles, but... My, even my son, my grandson, that was my daughter's child, right? Mm-hmm. That we, we put our grandchildren on pedestals. Yeah. It was extremely difficult. And then when my best friend, my comrade in arms, suddenly was taken from me six years ago, I think I took the relationship for granted and until his death, did not realize how much of an impact he had on my life mm. and, and who I was. And that was devastating. And not to be able to say goodbye and to know that he died alone. That was Mm. holding that in. I held that in until that first call with you guys. Because it just seemed my family didn't seem or my friends. It was just like, oh, you'll get over it. If I'm hearing you correctly, you're saying that, that coming into this world, you were able to finally accept and move past some some really serious grief. And, And again, the program is not about grief counseling. And it's not about, it's just a way of, of looking at life differently. Holy. So changing your perspective to understand that, that you have a lot of power in your life. Oh, exactly. And, and I mean, understanding menopause and how those hormones affect our body and affect our thinking mm-hmm. and affect rewire ourselves with the program, with the different thinking and the different doing of things it it opens up possibilities that we ourselves never even think of. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. The group comes in because everybody brings something different to it. And you have those ahas where thought of it that way. That's awesome. Cause then it, it allows you to think of different possibilities. Yeah. That's great. So would you say that life was pretty bleak before you joined the program? It was. And are you, and where, where would you say life is now if you were to describe life? Um, it was bleak before. It's, it, it's good. It, it's gotten better. It's not as bleak. I, um, the changes in myself, I'm awake every morning at seven o'clock, <laughs> um, which is late for me um, mm-hmm. with not being working because usually I was at work at 5 a.m. But uh, I'm awake early. I'm up. I've had my breakfast and coffee, play with the dog doing things. I've started macrame. I'm, I'm trying to not be bored. Yeah. With my sciatic, I can't, I can't do a lot of things. I, I go for the walks, but I can't go very far because I never know if it's, I'm going to stumble and that I won't be able to move. And so I'm a little apprehensive of that. I'm in physio twice a week. I'm doing deep tissue massage, massages once a week to try and do things better. Previously, I was coming home from work and I'd sit on my couch and I would fall asleep mm-hmm. and I would sleep the whole afternoon, wake up, have my dinner, go back to bed. There, I had no life. So um, are you saying that you've got more energy now? 
even you even know, with even with the, the the issues that you have. Yep, much more energy. I'm sleeping through the night better. Mm-hmm. I have, as most menopausal women, um, I do have incontinence issues, mm. um, which we're looking into and trying to figure out is this from stress like where's it from so we're working on that but sure i am sleeping through the night okay and that, i mean that's huge right weeks. so so you've got more energy you've got improved sleep just by making a couple of tweaks that yes. Yes. that I mean, I you know, may seem really big on the outside but but really with support they're not that hard yeah. So if somebody were sitting on the fence, just trying to decide whether to join in as a mental mate, what would you, what would you say to them? Do it, do it, jump in, jump in because you're going to feel better about yourself and better about menopause period. Mm. That it's not the, the death sentence to being a woman that we tend to think that it is that life is over. Right. Yeah. Well, that's, that's almost like, you know, we talk about the patriarchy a lot and, you know, the fact that, that menopause hasn't really been studied as much as we would have, you know, if men got this, it wouldn't be what it is. Right. Right. And that kind of goes back to the fact that the world revolves around men and Mm -hmm. there's not a whole hell of a lot we can do about that, but it just, it just does. What I'd like to know is you've had three career chains, right? You're an executive chef. We talked about that. You're a nutritionist, mm-hmm. right? And that's uh, Good Choose Nutrition. Is that your business? Yes. Yes. Okay. And so you do you do individualized nutrition or? I do. Okay. I do. Um, wow. I, I teach it as well. I do all constantly. Somebody asks me a question, boom. Like yeah. I have the answers for them or I offer, come, come see me. We can sit down, do a diary, figure out what's going on. I love that. And would you say that through menopause, you've done some reinvention of who you are? Yes. Yeah. So I think, you know, at least for me in my menopause, I had this kind of, as menopause approached, I had this kind of what I like to call an existential crisis, maybe, where I went from an atheist to a spiritualist. I was like, well, what's my legacy going to be? And and how am I going to help people? And it's not like I didn't have a high impact job. I mean, I'm a surgeon. My training, right? It isn't like I didn't save lives for a living, but I just didn't find that challenging or fulfilling anymore. And, you know, for, if you're listening to this podcast or watching it on YouTube, whatever, and you hear me say that, oh, you know, I wish I was a surgeon. Yeah, there's a, there comes a point in our lives and, and maybe you can relate to this where you do something for so long and you trained for 15 years to be a surgeon. And it took me about another seven to get really, really good at it. And then it just stopped being challenging. There just wasn't a whole hell of a lot I could do that was like, okay. (laughs) And then with it being so high stakes, it was a little stressy, I guess I could say. And I, so I was like, I I need a new challenge. And then, you know, of course, menopause hit me and I was like, holy crap, what is going on? And why can't I find any help? And then, you know, here we are and we've got the menopause movement, we've got the menopause system and this is all because I, as a doctor, couldn't find the help that I needed, right? And we're here to, to help as many women as we can get in and kind of discover that suffering is optional. And would you say that you're suffering less now that you've come yes. through the program? Yes, much less. Much yeah. less. I realize I'm not alone. I have a lot of sisters out there. Who are willing to help. Anything we need to talk about, we're there for each other. Some days are easier than others, but definitely a lot less, a lot less. It's been, I feel like I've woken up and that there, 
being 58 this year is not so bad. I tend to keep thinking of when I was younger and I would look at adults and, and see somebody at my age back in 1969, 70, a 58-year-old person looked like 85 now. Yeah. They're really yeah, good. We're, we're definitely living longer. We but, are. You know, at the same time, when my dad was in his 50s, I would say, you know, he was really active and, and I thought he was old. And now here I am, you know, I'm in my fifties and I'm like, I'm really active and (laughs) I'm definitely not old. I mean, my brain, you know, feels young. So that's really important. I think as we age, we start to look at, I feel like that same 18 year old, maybe without some of the impulse problems, (laughs) but uh, the body doesn't want to do the same thing. And that's, or I'll do things that I could have done. And, you know, currently right now I'm battling a a frozen shoulder that, and anyone, if you're watching this or, or listening to this and you've had a frozen shoulder, man, you know, you know, you lift your arm up a certain way and it's just like, ah, oh, yeah. right. Even after getting a shot right. and it, it's, oh my goodness. And these are things that, you know, all I did was play Beat Saber on my freaking Oculus. That's it. Guy, it's not like I was, you know, lifting something heavy or doing a bunch of push-ups or anything. And so that's part of aging that I think is, is annoying. But it's also something I can live with because I know that this too shall pass. What I want to know, you're a death doula. So you help people go from this life to the next, uh, to let go of this. And usually, you know, I've seen a lot of people die and I'm not, I don't want to dwell on this too much because it does feel kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's weird, but, but at the same time, you know, when, what I've noticed is when people die, they there is a point where they're just not, they're still alive, but they're not really there, yes. right? So when you help shepherd somebody off to the other side, how many of them are talking to you at the end? None. None, none. none right. None. But you're able to have a conversation with them beforehand about your wishes, their wishes and things like that. Well, and so that helps them with dignity at the end. Exactly. And it's exactly why I, I became one. I mm-hmm. was working with Calgary Hospice as a chef. I would go in and um, after my regular day job, I would go in and work nights at the hospice and feed everybody dinner. Mm. And it was all about what they wanted, what were they craving, what what were their memories of food to try and make them feel better or to engage with their families better. And so many times as they were going through the process of death, because death is a process, Mm -hmm. unless it's sudden then it's it's sudden you're here yeah, and that's then and that's complicated <laughs> grief that's super complicated grief when when yes. somebody dies suddenly and which is what I, yeah. that's what you had to go through yeah both times with my grandson and mm-hmm. marty with terminal illness there is a process and so many times i watch families go from cheering the people on to support and then you're going to kick this. You're going to get better. Keep thinking positive. And it's part of me would get angry because I would think you're in hospice. By the time you get to hospice, there is no going home. Usually. Like, yeah. You don't have much time to enjoy these people. So enjoy them as much as you can. And nobody was really talking to the person that was dying. If anything came up, it was, oh, we can't, let's go out in the hall. We don't want to talk about this in front of them. It's for me, it was, why not? They are the ones going through it. Yeah. So being a death doula, I am, I'm for the families, but I'm all for the dying person. It's, 
if I have the chance with them, it's let's sit down, let's make a plan. Do you want to leave a legacy? What are your wishes? Do you want, we're doing green funerals now. Like there's so many new things. There's water cremation, there's fire cremation for all different beliefs. There's all different ways to die and then yeah. have your body tended to and to have let them have the choice in, in how they want to go and what they want their last respects to. Now with the dying, the part where you get to a point where they will sink into a, a slumber. They can hear you, so we, we're pretty sure, but they can't really communicate because at this time the body is getting ready to die. It's getting mm -hmm. to shut down. It's shedding its need for food and water. And then at the end of it, they wake up and they're fully co um, cognizant. They have cravings. They, they are able to have memories and everything. Um, even Alzheimer's people, they have memories. They know who they are. They know who they're with. And it gives false hope to the families, unfortunately, um, because then it's, oh, well, just eat here. Let's get them this. And it's like. And this is a process that you see over and over. And you just yes, see. It's the process yeah. that you, know, you only have a day or two, if that. And sure enough, they will go back into their slumber. And we call it the vigil while the body is getting ready for death we call that the the rallying mm -hmm. where it's it's getting ready to shut down and then throughout the vigil is where we're just waiting for the last breath that's you know it, i think it's so tough conversation to have to talk about death because we we ignore it i mean every yeah. you know we, we all are gonna die right and i have this really it, this is, this is my belief about that. I mean, we all die alone. I don't, I, you know, it doesn't matter if somebody's with me, I'm still, it's still me dying. And that's my own belief. Not everybody has that belief, but it, it does make it easier, especially now in COVID with all these people dying. I mean, we all die alone. And, you know, cause, because when you die, you're not really aware of the other people around you so much. Right. And so when it comes to, to death and dying, it's so important, I think for us to realize that, yeah, it's going to happen. And then when we plan for it appropriately, then, you know, when it happens, there's not so much of a, I don't know, you know, shock or, or difficulty on the people that are left behind. And sorry, statistically, it's shown that the grief is much less, um, okay. not that you don't grieve, but your level of grief is nowhere near if you weren't prepared. Yeah, I, I like that. So how would somebody, if like, let's say they want to talk to you about preparing for death, how would they, they get a hold of you? Through right now, everything is through my Good Choose. It's called? Good Choose. Good Choose, G-O-O-D. Yep. C-H-O-O-S-E. Nope, C-H-E-W-S. Oh, choose. Okay. Good choose. Absolutely. So that's, so you do the nutritionist and the death doula stuff through that. So that's awesome. So when, once I get my website up for the doula aspect, it's called the serenity death care. I love it. Serenity yeah. death care. The serenity is what I want to bring to all people involved, the families and the, the person who is dying. Mm -hmm. Um, before I was even finished my course, I had a good friend of mine contact me and, and say, when you get home, we need to sit down and talk about this. Yeah. And I am I'm helping her through her journey with terminal cancer right now. 
Yeah. And I think that's, you know, it's really good. And, and, you know, there is a, also a podcast we did with Nate Morrissey about dealing with your parents' estate. Yes. And so, I mean, he, he's very regional. He's, he's local in, in California, but we did talk a lot about how to manage that at the end of somebody that you love, you know, who dies. So going back to, you know, talking about your particular journey, the one thing, you know, as you came through our program, through the Minnow system, it seems like all of your changes were super, super subtle, but they stacked, right? So you made like a little tweak here and a little tweak there. And then, you know, you kind of like maybe fell off the wagon, but you were able to get back on. And as you've done that, these, all of these little behavior changes that you made have stacked into making your life feel better and more you've been able to manage things but does that sound about right oh it's absolutely how it was every decision I make on what I'm going to do it's yeah yep it's like okay I didn't think I could do this but I did it giving up sugar giving up pop (laughs) that was huge I mean I've never been a big caffeine user so the pops that i would choose would be like sprite seven up the non-caffeine ones but it was still pop so Um, much sugar in those ginger ale totally and once i've stopped that even with my coffee i don't put sugar in my coffee anymore i'm still using cream but that's the only dairy that i generally have so it's just those little things it's huge yeah so you know what i notice is when i'm off sugar and i eat something like a spaghetti squash it's so sweet yes yes yeah yeah, yeah. you totally notice yeah, yeah it's it's really interesting everything else so um, was there i just you know before we close was there anything else you were hoping to share that we didn't get to i totally buy into your program i love it i haven't been able to spend as much time in the after stuff like i haven't even started the weight accelerator one yet um Mm -hmm. accelerator which i i plan on doing but just all the information that you have in there the workbooks everything i'm an ocd person and i printed it all i have binders I have binders so that I can go back at any time and flip through and say, okay, this look, look, this is how I was feeling then. How do I feel now? And see how I have used your techniques and your thinking mottos and stuff. You're global. So you're not opposed or stuck on one way of thinking. You're a little sketchy when it comes to woo, but you buy into it. (laughs) I do. I mean, I, you know, listen, the woo, the woo is, I mean, I'm a scientist. And so it's really hard for a scientist to buy into the woo. But at the same time, when you start seeing the woo work, it's really hard to deny it. Exactly. And so I don't, I mean, I teach meditation inside the course. I do teach meditation. I mean, it's the very first thing you get at the end of the first eight week module. Then we go into monthly and that's the first thing we teach is how to meditate because meditation changed my life. And I'm like, this is not that hard. Let's start doing it. It's just really crazy how a couple of little teeny tweaks can have such a lasting major impact. And that's what I found as I developed the program. And that's what I found as I've taught the program. And, you know, what took me six years to get through now takes my students eight to 12 weeks and then, you know, a little bit longer. And that that's the beauty of following somebody who's actually been through it. Yes. Right. That's why we want to model and people who've been through stuff. You're so open to the new things that come up you're always learning that's what I love we're always learning um all your books I think I mean I've read quite a few of the books that you've suggested Uh Um, autobiography of a yogi was just mind-blowing 
That's um, a great book. That book changed my life. It's the biggest woo out there for a scientist. It's pretty, woo- it's pretty metaphysical. Yeah, that book it's, particularly. It is the power. I totally buy into that. Yeah. I wouldn't be where I am today without it because I have everything that I have visualized. I have gotten and, somewhere or other. You know, you know, that's really interesting. You talk about visualization. So the importance of visualization is so interesting. In Transformational Mindset Shifting, which is one of the podcasts that we have early on with Lindsay Durant, we talk about how everything comes from a thought, right? So it isn't like, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got this lumen thing, okay? And this is not necessarily a, I haven't decided whether I like it or not, but what it tells you is you breathe into it, you're like, right? You breathe into this thing and it tells you whether you're burning fat or carbs. Oh, and, and that's just information, right? Mm-hmm. This, is, I, this is not necessarily an endorsement. I'm just talking about it. But this came from someone's mind. This came as a thought first. And then they started to visualize it. And then they started to iterate and made things happen. And every time, I mean, I remember when I was so, I wanted to be a surgeon so bad. And people would say to me, you know, and I was a medical student or maybe, yeah, maybe, yeah, I was, I was a medical student. And people said, well, what do you do? I said, well, I'm a surgeon. And I had just made the decision. I was, you know, I was a medical student before I was a medical student. I was a surgeon before I was a surgeon. And it's just really interesting because at the end of the day, we have, we have to be the thing that we want to be. And I like to say, you know, I say this in our coaching calls all the time. If you want to be the person who is able to drop a hundred pounds and you got to start doing the things that that person does today. And when you start to do those things, then it's going to catch up because it's like habit stacking. So totally. I'm yeah. I actually a couple weekends ago rewatched the movie, the secret. Uh Um, I hit a bump and even having all of these wonderful questions that I was waking up asking myself, Like, why am I so healthy? Why am I so wealthy? Why am I so fit? With the pain that I endure, it does overshadow some days. And when I wake up, it's an automatic, why am I in so much pain? Why can't Mm -hmm. I get any relief? And it's, it's really interesting how quickly those things can take over. Yeah. Doesn't matter how much work you've done up until that time, it just takes that one or two days And with this round, I've been able to move forward because I have a great physiotherapist who is hearing me and helping and we're trying everything to alleviate the pain that I'm in. Sure. Chronic pain can be so debilitating. And while we have to manage our thoughts, it it is so, it's hard as a doctor because I don't have, never really experienced chronic pain. I mean, I've got this shoulder issue, but it's nothing like what people with chronic pain have. And I don't understand it. And I don't think I'm alone in the medical community because people think that chronic pain people are kind of like malingering and that sort of thing. And all anyone wants to do is feel better. That's why we do anything. That's why addicts use drugs. That's why people drink. That's why people smoke. It's because we just want to feel better. The eternal search for happiness. Yeah. Well, happiness. Where does happiness come from? Right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, happiness is truly a choice. Your program that's helped me look at things and realize I'm okay where I am. Like I love that. I'm, I'm okay. Like yes, there's things to work on, but I'm. It, it's not a bad place to be in. It's the hormones. Yep, we've got ways to alleviate that. We just have to do that. Like you said, that forward thinking, being that person first. I'm trying, but. 
obviously the sciatic has got me at a disadvantage right now because I can't be that person physically. I just, I can't do it. Yeah. But that doesn't mean you, it's not like you're not trying, you know, you're working with a physiotherapist and that sort of thing. And so I'm still able to think forward and and do that. Yeah. And what I love is that you said that self-acceptance piece is that when you came through the minnow system, that is what, you know, changed the most for you was self-acceptance. And I I mean, that's not going to be the same for everyone. And, you know, everyone's going to kind of have a different take on the program. And some people are going to be able to drop a lot of weight and some people are going to, you know, have improved relationships with their families. But at the end of the day, the whole reason that we built the program was to kind of transcend the symptoms of menopause so that we can become our best selves now. Yes. Prior to your program, I didn't think I deserved peace. Ah. So that been huge. Like the, the amount of support you've given me and the other ladies it's huge. It's, it's really huge. And to know that they feel the same way mm-hmm. has been a benefit as well. That, okay, yeah. Yeah, I'm not alone. This isn't a one-off or right. I said, where do the thoughts come from? Like it gets into all Ooh. kinds of stuff. <laughs> totally. <Yeah. laughs> totally. Voices come from somewhere. Where do they come from? Right. Does that well, voice in my head sound like me? No. That's yeah. Like we're the observer of our thoughts. Let's not forget that. That's, totally. that's who we are. Totally. But so, being able to just finding that out that, yeah, I deserve, I deserve to like myself, love myself. Yeah. I'm happy. I'm trying. I deserve it. That's good. I'm content where I am right now. I'm content with the careers. It's, it's in process. I don't mind doing all three. When I started with the nutrition it was, and I just got that degree two, three years ago now. It was because I know I have debilitating arthritis. Mm-hmm. At some point, I am going to lose my joints, um, whether it be my hands or my feet. So that's going to make me rethink cooking because I, sure. I, I can't stand for long periods of time. Yeah. And then I started working with hospice after my grandson died. Mm-hmm. So it took a long time to build up to become the doula. Yeah. Um, I want to say, you know, you say that you deserve it. And I think that, you know, when it comes to investing in ourselves, sometimes we don't think we deserve it. And I think, did you think that too, when you thought about, you know, whether you were going to invest in the program, whether you really deserved it? Oh, that's totally, totally. And, did did the money back guarantee play any role in your ability to invest? Honestly, it did. It, yeah. re- it really did. But then after, like I said, after that first call and the way that first call made me feel, yeah, wasn't an issue after that. That's great. It was. I've always felt it's money well spent. Oh, I'm um, so glad to hear that. Oh, totally. I I wouldn't be here if, <laughs> if I didn't think that. Yeah, that's and, awesome. And like I said. The support is so much worth it. The the lessons you ask such great questions of us. Like when we uh, we can mention something in passing, and the light bulb goes off with you, and you're wait a minute, let's get back to this, and you dig. What makes you think? You give us that other option of how to feel differently or how to see things differently. It's huge. I love that. Huge the way you are able to open up for us. Well, thank you. Thanks so much. And thanks for being a part of the menopause movement today. I really do appreciate you. Well, thank you. I totally love you. (laughs) 
I would feel lost if I didn't have the opportunity, even though the last couple of months I haven't been able to be there. I've popped in when I can. Yeah. And I feel so good that day. I'm so glad you're back and I'm happy to have you as part of the menopause movement. Well, thank you. Did you know that menopause is not a medical condition? Most doctors don't know this either. I like to say that menopause is the privilege of a long life. And to really take hold of our lives in menopause, we have to unlearn what society and the medical establishment has told us about menopause. Thanks so much for being a part of the menopause movement.